Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Emma Lawrence has just released a new album called Living for the Highlights and it debuted at number one on the all genres chart on iTunes, uh, but it's such a fantastic album. I think it's no surprise to any of us who'd actually heard it beforehand. Still, it's wonderful validation <laughs> and recognition of Amber's work. Amber, congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's incredible. I woke up at 5am on Friday morning and um my urge was to check my phone, you know, to see what the chart said, if I'd been added to playlists. But then I thought, oh, I don't, I don't want to do it because if I'm disappointed, you know, that's going to ruin my day, I'll just wait. And then I thought, no, just check it. Just go to iTunes. You might have a number one country. I opened the phone and went, what the? Like I was stunned that it was all genre number one. Uh, I couldn't believe it. Then I thought, well, if it's all genre number one, it must be country number one. I'll check that. Yes, it's country number one. Um, <laughs> And like I've been telling at the shows, Marty was in, in bed with Ike in the other bedroom, so I had no one to wake up and tell him. And so I just lay there in bed going, wow, I have the number one album in Australia. This is big. <laughs> it's huge. But as I said, you know, it's, it's recognition of the work you've put in and it's not you have five golden guitars amongst other things and you've been steadily releasing great albums and uh, yeah, writing songs that people can relate to, I think, is part of it. You, know, you write about experiences, your own experiences and human experiences, uh, and you tell stories. And, and we're in more in need of stories than ever before. So, yes, I think it's just that aggregation of all that work um yeah. has has resulted in that and you're now as we're speaking you're on tour in support of that album and you have dates booked through to the end of the year so um hopefully yeah. as the weather warms up and COVID disappears and but yeah. as I'm fond of saying uh even if people think they can't make the show it's uh you know buy a ticket support your favorite artist Oh, totally. And I've been so grateful. We've had a really good run so far. We've had two weekends of the tour and people have been in the audience. And I say, I do say that. I say, thank you for being in the audience. Like we actually need bodies <laughs> in the room. And it takes, it is taking a lot for people to have just the, the courage and the want to go outside. I mean, to go to shows, like you do have your, your super fans who are going to be there anyway, but the people who are, who are kind of music lovers and kind of know your music, it's harder for them because we've learned all new behaviours through COVID last mm. two years. But then the media at the moment is telling us, be careful, don't go out, wear a mask. So what, it's very hard for people to think, oh, yeah, I'll go to a crowded show. So I'm very grateful for the people who are. And, yes, please buy the tickets in advance. And uh, in, in most cases, if it does, of course, if the show doesn't go ahead, you'll get a refund. Yeah. And um, if you're sick you'll probably get a refund as well. So please support. <laughs> and there is really nothing more what fabulous and joyous than seeing live music as you've addressed in, in one of your songs on this album. Yes, bring it yeah. back. And um, <laughs> that's been great. We've, we finished the show with that song and it's really been awesome to see how many people know that song but potentially don't know any of the back catalogue. So they've only just come to know me through that song. Um, so I think... I think the whole of this last two to three years feels a bit like a resetting for a lot of artists. Like what you did in that time has garnered you new fans. And, mm -hmm. you know, so last night 
that was the song that people started singing along to, not not the back catalogue, you know. So I was like, wow, they've found me through this song. So I'm I'm really I'm really grateful, and and, and I suppose that song has a bit of a universal message of what we all felt um, through the through the last. We're going to have to say three years soon, aren't we? We are going to have to say three years. And it's and this is actually the first song on the album and, and I do want to talk to you uh, about each song in the album because I think they're all worthy of, of addressing individually. So as we've started to talk about Bring It Back, um, you wrote it with Melanie Dyer yeah. and uh, and it was it was a call to arms when you yeah, wrote it. Totally. And I we, we wrote on Zoom this song and uh, I specifically knew the style of song. I, I wanted that kind of like um, Avicii disco-y kind of beat, country Avicii, you know, the way Cam does. Um, mm-hmm. And that's and so that's why I asked Melanie to write with me because I thought she's she's definitely going to get this. And then, of course, the session was booked in and I'm driving around going, what are we going to write about? What are we going to write about? And that's where I get, get ideas usually in the car. Mm-hmm. Bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. And, you know, not that melody, whatever it was, but I knew it was about, come on, bring back, the music and that was really what I um conveyed to Melanie and it was I suppose that you know the strong emotion behind that idea there were no other lyrics at that point but we both got what we needed to write about and um, pretty short songwriting session and did a little bit of tweaking afterwards and just kind of fiddling with the song got to Stuart Stuart and he turned it into an absolute banger which made me nervous at the time because um very pushing the edge of um, Mm. country music and but then when I heard it I said to the record label this is the first single so (laughs) I said and also timing I mean you know it was last year July and I thought if I don't release it now you know this whole world could go back to normal and this song won't be relevant um so we released it and um but you know it's relevant (laughs) it is relevant and it was actually a lovely moment to see you sing it with Melanie at Melanie's Tamworth Country Music Festival show in April when I saw you arrive at the show I thought oh I wonder if that's what's gonna happen and it was just this great yeah this great moment of seeing a crowd there and performing that and and thinking well yes it's 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 come back to an extent yeah absolutely and with co-writing, you know, there is absolutely no way I would have had that song without Melanie because it was specifically uh, the idea came to me because of the songwriting session with Melanie. So sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes you've already written the song almost and you need some help finishing it. But this one, it was like, here's the title and the idea, but let's go and find this, find this song. Yeah. Had you written with her before? No, I don't think so. I think we've written like maybe 10 years ago for right. one of her projects when she was young, really little. Um, but no, not nothing for me. So, yeah, we'll, we'll do it again for sure. Yeah, well, it's, it's worked beautifully. Um, and collaborating is part of how you conduct your work. You often co-write. And on this album, you've you've invited other artists to sing on the track. Mm. So track two is Living for the Highlights, the title track, and Darlinghurst, yes. who won the Golden Guitar for Best New Talent this year. They are on the track as well. Um, how, part of what I love about this song is the there's a line in the chorus that's actually really unexpected, which is we're all slowly dying. I know. I'm like, <laughs> when I heard it, I thought, oh, but that's true. So <laughs> yeah. harsh, isn't it? Harsh. But it's, it's true. And I actually thought it was a great way to 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 acknowledge partly what we've all been experiencing, which is I think for a lot of us mortality has been on our minds um quite constantly. But then to just say, well, yeah. We're here and you've got to live for the highlights. So how did that song come about? 
Yeah, so this one, a really simple idea for this song. I had a songwriting session booked on a Tuesday and it was a long weekend um, in New South Wales and my son, Ike, had made these friends at preschool and they were moving away. And so they had this whole weekend of goodbye celebrations. So we're, we're at the pub with them for three days in a row saying goodbye and I'm meeting all these new parent friends and having the best time. And people I hadn't met until that day, all because of preschool kids. So mm. I went to the songwriting session. I'm like, you know what? I made all these new friends on the weekend. Like how exciting that you can have, like you, you just don't know what's around the corner in a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, like we always say that, you know, touch wood, you don't know what's around the corner, but we refer to it in a bad way. Like something mm-hmm. terrible could happen. Mm-hmm. Well, in this regard, I thought you actually can make a brand new best friend later in life. And, and yeah. we can find a new a new, if you're single, you can find the love of your life at 50. You could go and buy a lottery ticket tomorrow and actually win $10 million. Yeah. And as a songwriter, I know this sounds silly, but you could write a song that somehow gets on TikTok, goes viral, wins you a Grammy. Like that is possible. It's a little <laughs> bit far-fetched, but, you know, it, it is the reason why musicians still do this crazy game. So so that was where the idea came from, like, it's, it's it's like the opposite of what we all think, you know, like, yeah. you know, you've got to worry about what terrible things could happen. No, let's worry about what good things could happen. Yeah. <laughs> and um, how did you come to decide to invite Darlinghurst onto the song? Well, when I, when I, cause this song kind of disappeared into my inbox and, you know, the album was recorded and <laughs> it's just a bit crazy. And then I went, hold on, there's this song. <laughs> and I pulled out the demo and I went, oh, my God, this is a really good song, send it to the producer. And it's actually such a vocally um, big range on this mm-hmm. song that by myself I just thought, you know, it really needs some extra voices and and the collaboration, you know, Darlinghurst, they hadn't won their golden guitar yet, but they've been doing really great things. And I thought just imagine a very big four-part harmony mm-hmm. on this song. It will really take it to the next level just because of that huge vocal range that I had to show I thought I need some support um so yeah and they, they're incredible yeah no no it's it really works well and of course yeah it's a good thing you put the song on the album because it's the title track so <laughs> I know and it it's it kind of ties everything together in a way like um and the title you know we take ages to come up with titles often for albums and it's when this one kind of clicked that the whole thread of the album made sense to me and and that's what you want you want there to be a story floating through somewhere yeah and the the sequencing on this album is um very carefully considered and it's it's not um it's not wedged in there it's and so it's it's subtly done in that it's there if you're looking for it but I think uh, you know tonally um it all makes sense uh which brings me to the track three which is fill it up which was a single for you uh which is about filling up the cup uh and uh and doing things that 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 make you feel happy and fulfilled um so we could talk about i'm actually i could ask you about writing that song but i'm actually going to ask about putting that song track three first um which is were you thinking okay we sort of started with this bang of bring it back going into living for the highlights and then continuing that that line of thinking yeah it's you know it's part about um tempo as well you know with your album order sometimes it's about theme but it's also about um you can't kind of like we came out with two big bangers you know that's mm-hmm. not a technical term but <laughs> it's <a> better term. <laughs> high energy song so it, it, we couldn't go straight back into like mm-hmm. a, so 
fill it up was really thematically and um, tempo-wise was like a nice filler to get you to the next part. Yes, right. Album, I felt. Um, yeah, and also people, I mean, the singles on the album are, are quite early in the track listing if people mm. are listening to the album in, in order. And, and I hope that, that that's not a deterrent in that, you know, they go, I've heard this song, I've heard this song. Um, so that's kind of a bit of a worry if you put all your singles at the beginning. Mm. But, but it just made sense in terms of the, the speed and the, and the flow of the album. Well, and also like the pairing of fill it up with making up for lost wine because of course you have fill up the garden and um and, and I didn't think that you had all written those songs to go together but it's like well this this is a nice sense of of matching here <laughs> yeah and you know I don't I'm not really a big singer of alcohol songs um, no you're not that's true no and there I mean that's huge in country music at the moment like every second song mm. is is alcoholic and you know I don't love that to be honest um but what you find about my drinking songs is they're not really about drinking they're you know there's this subtle kind of metaphor I suppose Mm -hmm. um you know uh, making up for lost wine yes it's about having a wine but it's about why you're having that wine and about the strength and the power of being able to pour that glass yourself so (laughs) and it doesn't have to be wine um, yeah, so we get the drinking songs out of the way pretty early in the album. <laughs> yeah, and it is interesting that because I've noticed to a fair few drinking songs around, but I do, yes, your take on it works for me as opposed to, yeah. you know, put a slab in the back of the ute. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard because it seems to be they're very popular out there, drinking songs, but you also got to go with what works for you um, as a, like your personal values. And yeah. I have children's music, so, you know, it's a little bit, doesn't sit well with me to be also out, out there promoting getting really drunk. So mm-hmm. whether I want to do that privately or not, I don't need to <laughs> be um, promoting in my music terrible drunkenness. <laughs> true, true. Um, now, after making up for lots of wine, we move into I'm Coming Home, um, which you co-wrote with Katrina Burgoyne, who is an Australian who does not who does not live at home. She lives in um, yes. Nashville now. And this is a song that for me um, became an earworm almost instantly. And I think when we last spoke, I asked you if your own songs became earworms because this one for me, and I still find myself um, pretty much every day that song pops into my head. So uh, obviously melodically you hooked into something there, but uh, I think it's also about a song about appreciating what you have. And I think that's the theme on this album is, is noticing small things, appreciating small things, uh, because there are details in I'm Coming Home that are quite specific, you know, yeah. lamb roast on a Sunday and, and, you know, hugging your parents and things like yeah. that. Um, so for you, was that a song that, that came out of a time long past? Like had that song come to you well in the past and you just brought it forward for this album? No, I wrote that one. Um, I was driving as a passenger. We were driving to Old Bar. Um, so I, saw, I told this story on stage at, in Foster last week because uh, Old Bar's <laughs> in Foster. And Marty, my husband, was driving and I was talking to him about he lived in the UK for five years when he was 25 to 30. Yeah. And I just kind of said, why did you come home? Why did you move home? What was that like? How hard was it? And we stopped uh, at a playground for Ike to play and he's playing and I'm going into my phone, I got a ticket for a plane all the way from the UK. That was it. But I knew that the melody was earwormy, you know, sweet, melodic, and didn't really know where else to go with it. So, again, this was one where I specifically chose my um, co-writer, being Katrina, because I knew that, she'd be on the same page 
she really likes to put details into songs like I do, like mm-hmm. specific details. Um, and so, you know, we sat there and I played that to her. And of course, that was really emotional for her because this was like, I think it was October 2020, we wrote this. Mm-hmm. So deep in her being unable to come home and, yeah, you know, she's very close to her mum in Gunnedah. So, so much of those real lines of, you know, she cried a bit many times you know soon I'll get to hug my mother and um you know I don't think she has yet I don't think she's been home so um and yeah just it was a really uh, really beautiful co-write um just because we were all feeling those things at the time yeah and you also have a line there about hugging your father and and those of us who know your work know that your father died quite a while ago and you've wrote a beautiful song about him, um, Surf Lifesaver. Yeah. Um, so that I found that really poignant as well, that for you that that memory of him is still present. Yeah. yeah. And I think too on this album, I, some, sometimes, you know, I've realised you can, you can be like a little less perfect about what's true in your life. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it didn't make sense not to include my father in this song. And, you know, even in um, the song Sing at the end, I say watching my kids. Yes. I only have one, but uh, I wrote it with um, Melanie Horsnell and, you know, she has two kids. And so, you know, that made sense to me as well. So people might listen and go, oh, do you have two kids? Mm. Which I don't. But it's okay. I've learnt. It's okay to put some things in that aren't totally true right now. Yeah. Well, especially because, yes, storytelling is a big part of what you do and it could be other people's stories um, yeah. as well. Uh, so we come out of come, I'm Coming Home Into Glory, which is this this lovely uplifting song. Um, and I wanted to talk about the pairing actually of glory with the crash because the crash is, is uh, I think, uh, the word that's coming to mind is sneaky. It's not a sneaky song, but it sneaks up on you. Like it's, you sort of listen to the crash initially and think, oh, yeah, and then, yeah, that's a lovely song, and then listening to the lyrics more deeply it's it's a hard it's hard going emotionally hard going as in it's come from a place um that's that's hard it sounds like so those songs again did you try to make them a matching pair yeah well definitely not in the writing but so Gloria wrote before before COVID so 2019 and I wrote that with Isabella Kearney Nurse she's Australian she now lives in Nashville but she came over again this song was a, a driving where's my idea coming from Glory, and um, I wrote this about, there's a person who I wrote two songs about on this album, um, my, my friend who, well, one song is about her getting divorced <laughs> and Glory is about the strength you need mm-hmm. to do something like that. Um, right. Yeah, so, but, I mean, it could be about anyone. Like, Glory is about doing the hard things that life requires to give you the good, the good times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love singing this song has been the most fun of all the songs on um, the album so far. Obviously it sounds like a, you know, gospel (laughs) hallelujah song kind of, but it's, it's about the hard things in life and how you, you know, if you want to go for gold, if you want the glory, you've got to feel the pain, stand in the rain. Um, So I I enjoy that one. And then the crash, um, this was a song club, um, Oh. So you probably heard of the song club. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> lots of traction. Um, it's a secret club that Sam Hawksley runs and it's invite only. And once you're in, you have to submit a song every week um, to, to remain in it. And so this one, the there was a certain prompt that he gives you that you have to write about. And 
I, I decided to write The Crash. And this is, yeah, it's, it's, it was written because I had to write a song in, mm-hmm. in a, you know, in a short deadline. But I suppose it's probably of all the emotion of my life written into this song and not really about anything specific but about mm-hmm. everything I kind of know about all of the disappointments yeah <laughs> so many disappointments and maybe people out there have had them too and whether it's love disappointment or you know could be fertility could be COVID mm-hmm. all of these things that are breaking your heart um, yeah. and you're pleading to them not to uh, so or take it easy on take it easy on me so yes they again they weren't written together but in the flow of the album was like it's kind of that's crashes the the pain that you have to go through for the glory yeah yeah no it's a fantastic song um so i hope people do listen to it yeah. closely and then we come out of the crash into angry which is another song with a that has a couple of different ways to listen to it because if you just put it on in the background it sounds like an a, fun little song <laughs> but instead it's it's about uh, possibly about the the friend's divorce you were referring yes. to which is that you know someone has to get angry in order to get happy essentially and they have to take action I think that's what's inherent in the message of that song oh yeah yeah I mean a song called angry you know you're starting from a pretty <laughs> interesting place yes. um and I like I do like to say when I sing a song Thankfully, this song is not about me for a change, everybody. Um, but it is about, it's about, you know, it's about witnessing this one friend. That's that's the literal part of the song and, and the verses and they are, that's what I witnessed, you know, wrote yeah. that down. Um, but, but everything else is, you know, what we've been seeing in the media. It's what we've perhaps had to fight against, like, mm-hmm. for years and years as women. And I don't want to, I mean, of course, I love men big time. But as women, we, we're, we're a little bit behind in terms of the things we've had to fight for. So, you know, the, the bridge of that chorus, so here's to the women who have gone before, said mm. enough's enough, no more, no more. That, that is pretty emotional about women who have left violent relationships or, mm. um, you, you know, stood up, reported something that, you know, went and had to go and endure a long trial because they actually stood up for themselves and said, this happened to me and it shouldn't have. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure if people outside my fans hear this, there'll be a lot of girls and women who can relate and go, yeah, I had to get angry until, and, you know, stand up for myself. So yeah, it's pretty hard hitting song. And I don't, I mean, yes, I love that it's disguised as this little fun. (laughs) Yeah, major key. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, but Becky Cole played it. She opened uh, my album kind of uh, feature with it. She said, "This is her theme song," and I thought, "I have hit the nail on the head." Yep, and yes. Becky likes it. Yes, and <laughs> she's certainly familiar with an anthemic song herself. Um, yeah, but yeah, and I think yeah, that's it. You you never know, know the full extent of of how you've had an effect on people positively um in their lives and so not everyone who hears that song and and is spurred to action will contact you but I'm sure that there'll be some who will say you know what that made me feel better about changes I'm making in my life and um yeah so I think there are quite a few calls to action on this album and they're all around 
uh, embracing one's own power, I think, and, uh, and, and acknowledging that there is a lot of darkness and a lot of difficulty in human life, but you can turn that into power if you're determined to do so. And I think Rise, which you've performed with Casey Donovan, is a song like that and co-written with the wonderful Lynn Botel. Um, so have you written with Lynn before? I don't think I have, no. And um, this part that I'm going to tell you, I haven't told anyone yet, but we wrote Rise and you were mine on the same day. Okay. Um, they are next to each other on the album. Yeah. They are. And, and that wasn't really deliberate, the fact that we wrote them on the same day, but I guess that makes sense. Um, we wrote You Were Mine first and then, you know, we wrote You Were Mine in, in like an hour. And so then we had time and I said, well, I've got this other idea for a song, Rise. Um, and, again, it, it was just the, the, when the um, idea behind a song is so clear, songs are easy to write you know when you can say this is what I'm writing about this is the idea Mm -hmm. and Lynn got it straight away so again Rise came very easily to both of us um, to write and you know obviously it was my mantra at the time if you know that I wrote you were mine on the same day you must Mm -hmm. then understand that um, Rise was about me kind of self-talk and Mm. you know come on you can do this and, um, and, you know, I'm sure Lynn has had days like that too. So she certainly related to this song. And I loved that um, using Lynn to write this song, you know, turned it into a, that kind of bluesy power ballad that I would never write. I don't know how to write them. So I love this song. I love singing it and, um, you know, love that we wrote it two songs in one day <laughs> that made the yeah. album. Two fantastic songs in one day. And how did you um, come to perform with Casey? Well, I asked Casey, I, I just, again, this song I felt like it needed to be a duet because mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of talking to someone in the song um, and it's being a, a pretty big song to sing, um, I thought I thought of Casey and I've, had, I've worked with her small parts, we've been crossing paths now and then, she's so nice. thought she'd say no, of course. Um, she said yes and I'm like, oh. Wow. And she was so easy to work with, just went in, slammed the vocal down and, you know, we just then then harmonising with her and I can't wait to sing it in real life with her. That would be amazing. So I'm sure that will happen someday. Um, but, you know, she's pretty busy doing she is. <laughs> But um, once that's over, I think the two of you should do a joint tour. I've seen Casey before live. I think that would be a hugely entertaining evening if the two of yeah. you were on tour. I am so down to that. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm, Look, if she uh, takes time out of musical theatre and wants to do a tour, I'm there. (laughs) Well, if I ever meet her, I'll mention it. Um, But you talked about You Were Mine and um, this is an incredible song. This is a a song that, again, I think a lot of people are going to be affected by and they may never tell you, but it is about your son, Woody, who died, um, who was born very early and, and, and was with you very, very briefly. And I have said to you in the past that I can't listen to this song without crying and I still can't. Um, and so I don't know how you managed to perform it, but the fact that you will record it rather, the fact that you wrote it in an hour suggests that it was just there. This story was something that you were carrying for a while and you wanted to articulate. And I guess working with Lynn gave you the opportunity to do that. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I didn't, I didn't set out to write a song about this one happened but the first verse I just you know obviously in those weeks after it was you know horrific time 
Um, and I'm a journaler, you know, mm-hmm. because that's how I process and why my <laughs> so one day I just wrote the verse for first verse you should be one now finding your feet a little brother running a team and I loved those lyrics and um and that's when I approached Lynn and you know like it was a pretty hard session in terms of conveying um the first part of the song and mm. there were lots of tears and um then the second verse came and then you know well I think because I'd already had just that you you were mine I was just singing you were mine and and I thought she, Lynn would want to do something different with that and she's like no that's the song you were mine leave that as it is so we didn't really go far from just this empty journal and ethereal you were mine um and then finish the song obviously and and well at that point I just thought this song is really beautiful Mm. um didn't think more of oh like it will help me it will help people I just sent it to my producer and he was obviously gobsmacked by just the rawness Mm. I can't listen to it um and then and I think it's he's got a he's got a daughter but it's not it's whether you're a parent or not we don't know what behind the scenes story is for people too and I've had people write to me who said they you know never had a child because they couldn't this song means a lot to them they've lost a child through miscarriage this song means a lot to them or they have children they haven't had anything go wrong but they can't imagine if it did Mm. Um, so yeah I've been getting a lot of anonymous messages not anonymous but from people I don't know people who have found me whether it's TikTok or Instagram and um so yeah I I mean I didn't I haven't heard a song like this that's so raw about something Mm. so real so hopefully it does help people but when I got the production back from Stuart that's when I just you know (laughs) cried and cried because the way he produced it it's incredible yeah, it's it's a it's a really extraordinary song, um, and uh, and you may never well perform it live just from a production point of view. But uh, I also don't know how you would manage to do that. But I think yes, everyone by being so specific about your experiences, people can relate to it. There's a line in the bridge where you say, um, "You know what happened has changed the way you see the world forever." And I think the implication is that it might have changed the way you see the world in a bad way, but I actually wonder if it was in a good way as well because I get the sense that that Woody's brief existence uh, opens your heart um, to in a way, and I can hear that on the rest of the album. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, a friend of mine texted me when I posted the story on Instagram and Facebook for the first time so no one knew what happened. And he said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I just announced that we had a baby yesterday. I, I'm, I'm just so sorry. And I'm like, no, I am, like, I'm even happier for people who have babies because I know what it means more than, than I did, you know, mm-hmm. six months ago. So, yes, definitely the, the empathy, you know, it opens up. And, you know, to know that you can still survive hard things yeah. and be happy, like we're super happy, you know, like, Yes, there's this absolute level of, you know, sadness, but we're happy as well. So, um, yeah, that it's there's that. I mean, it, it, that's that positivity, I suppose, that you learn and yeah, you see what other people are, see what other people have been through, and I just think, how did they survive that? 
yeah the, the way you did one one step at a time yeah. I think is, is yeah. part of it um yeah. but we go from you or mine which is is yeah people need to hear it if they haven't heard it they need to hear it immediately and we go into Jewel which you wrote with Travis Collins and Matt Scullion and then you mentioned Sing with Melanie Horsnell so um, and I love the fact that you because you were mine is such a singular song and there might have been a temptation to go to hugely upbeat uh, note after that but you didn't you sort of you take us out it's almost like in a way you were mine is the defining point and then we have this lovely coda through these last two songs so writing with Travis and Mash how did that come about well they you know they are both the super team that we wrote our backyard with oh that's so, right <laughs> um so you know, right. what am I saying of course you and Travis made a whole AP together I'm saying <laughs> how did you come to work with Travis Collins you've done it for a while <laughs> but, you know this is different song this is a pretty delicate song so uh why I don't know why this song I think it was just the idea I had on the day and um I guess we weren't definitely didn't want to try and be, recreate our backyard so I said look I've got this song and and again I only had the verse and I find if you only um and the title I had the jewel um but if you have a verse I, I feel like it gives a really strong start to the mm-hmm. direction of the session um so yeah we we wrote this song and, and lots of people think it's about Marty, my husband, and um, some people think it's about Ike. I don't know who you think it's about. Who do you think it's about? Well, I thought it might have been about both of them, like the sort of the, the there were elements of both mixed in there because you wanted to leave it open um, for people to bring their own interpretation to it and, and put it in their own lives. Yeah, well, I'm going to leave it that way now. <laughs> um, but I did, look, it was written about Ike. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, only because it yeah it's it's that thing like he he kind of it's not like anything was missing in my life before him but once I had him then I realized oh all this glitter doesn't matter until you know that's the same with Marty I feel the same way yeah I mean look this is also Ike who who can take absolutely no interest in your work at all and you know will sleep side of stage so hopefully when he's older he appreciates that he has a song that's what I said I said I go to all this oh, you know, emotion, here's your beautiful song. And, you know, he tells me, don't sing, mummy. I don't like your voice. <laughs> yeah. So, right. <laughs> does, does he not know that his mother is a very popular children's entertainer? <laughs> he knows nothing. He knows nothing about me. So his friends, his friends like me more, of course. <laughs> I walk into preschool and some of his friends go, hi, we listen to your music in the car. And I say, see, Ike, see? Yeah, <laughs> I'm popular with other children. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so well, that's I'm glad Ike has his very own song. Um, and then you know, working with Melody Horsnell, um, who a lot of people may know of, um, but but is not necessarily someone I thought you may have written songs with. So that was a lovely surprise. Yeah, and she's so talented. Oh my goodness! And I heard her sing on a Carl Brody album. 15 years ago and I've just loved her voice and her songs ever since and um I I reached out to her we've, we've maybe had like a couple little things on Instagram but we hadn't really met and I asked her if she'd write a song with me and she was I had the idea for you know even if nobody's listening sing um she was kind of the more creative person around creating this world of the lady with the guitar you know busking and the kids singing in the kitchen um so I love this song and it it kind of you know yeah I think it had to be track 12 it had to be that summary mm. song of um you know even if the world is difficult sing yeah 
Yes, it is a wonderful message to finish the album on. Um, but I also think if you someone just presses repeat and goes back to the start, it all makes sense as a cycle as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm so happy to hear this. And I just, you so, when you hear your own album, you, you're very doubtful. Before it's been out, you just think, this is not working. It's not going to do anything. But I'm so glad that people are just starting to say all these things. And I mean, of course, I thought all those things, but. I didn't know if it was going to be heard that way. And um, and I feel yeah. like I pushed the envelope a little bit more on this album um, with with rawness and honesty and, like, like angry, you know. That's, mm-hmm. that's a pretty raw song and you're mine. Um, so I was very nervous, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm very happy now. Yeah, well, I think it's it's normal to be nervous, but if I listen to your songs over the years, you know, there has always been a progression th- through how you craft your stories, what you're telling about yourself. And so I think it's also a lesson in how you can't get to an album like this from a standing start. Like you have you have really worked at your craft for several years now. That's where all the industry acknowledgement comes from. And I think, you know, debuting at number one is an acknowledgement of that as well. So it's a really wonderful piece of work um, and a very thoughtful and thought provoking moving album. And it's certainly one that I go back to a lot when I say go back to, because I first listened to it weeks ago. So uh, for me, it's not that new, but uh, yeah, I really hope people spend time listening to it as well as just enjoying it and enjoying the different tones on it as a as as a, an album even if they've got it in the background it's going to make housework better let's put it that way thank you thank you so much i yeah i do hope that it's heard far and wide um i love what i do as a job and it's it's uh, you want your music to be heard so i'm really happy that it's getting some um, good early legs to take it far Absolutely. Now, I'm talking to you on a day when you have some driving ahead of you for your next show. So I'm going to thank you very much for your time, safe driving, and congratulations again on the album. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.